Welcome to Project BGR, craft beer and conversation. And did we mention craft beer? The beer guys Tim Dennis and Aaron Williams talk to the makers and creators from the craft beer world and beyond. Now, time for Project BGR with your hosts, Tim and Aaron. And welcome to Project BGR, and I'm Aaron Williams. And I'm Tim Dennis. If you don't know, we host a radio show out of Atlanta, Georgia, Beer Guys Radio, where we cover the craft beer scene in the southeast, but we love to talk to people from around the country. Definitely, and that's one of the reasons why we attended the Great American Beer Festival. Of course, that's in Denver, and we did it back in October 2016. It was an amazing event all around, but I know, Tim, that you were really excited to geek out with this guest. Absolutely. Uh, Jamil Zanishif, he's one of my homebrewing heroes, and he's recently opened up is Professional Brewing California, a heretic brewing company. Let's give it a listen. So, uh, Jamil, I've uh, you know followed you for a while now. I know you're you know, very well known in the home brewing circles and that. Uh, recently a commercial brewer and author. Uh, one thing I found interesting, you've brewed every BJCP style before, correct? Yes. So, so what you, something we kind of start with is uh, a simpler, can be a complex question, but what got you interested in craft beer and brewing? Well, uh... One day, a friend of mine, Steve, he uh, came to the fence and he said, Jamel, you know, try this. He handed me this beer, gave it a taste. I'm like, wow, that was fantastic. It was the best beer I ever tasted. I said, Steve, where where can I buy this beer? What's it called? You know, where do I find it? What store? He said, you can't. He said, I made it myself. And I was blown away because I was thinking to myself, well, you know, you need uh, German people and stainless steel and big factories right. to make beer. Yeah. Uh, yet here he made this excellent beer, the best beer I'd ever tasted himself. So I told my wife about it. I said, oh, Steve just gave me this beer. He made it himself. I didn't know you could make beer yourself. And so she got me a Mr. Beer Kit for Christmas. Okay, yeah. Nice. And uh, I brewed off of that, and no fault of the Mr. Beer Kit, it turned out horrible. <laughs> okay. I'm like, all right, wait a minute. I tasted a great beer that Steve made. I need to learn how to do this. Yeah. And so that was really it. That was really the, the beginning of my passion to not only to make great beer, but to learn about beer uh, and beer styles and, uh, you know, what makes great beer. Uh, prior to that, I was drinking, you know, just what everybody else drank. It was a lot of mass market light lager and, you know, some Henry Weinhardt's and things like that. Oh, the, the, the Prime Reserve, that's the fancy stuff. Oh, the Prime Reserve. Reserve. It's not that yeah. Rainier, it's not that uh, Olympia stuff. Right, right, right. right. Now, that's, you know, there used to be a time when Mr. Beer was a huge introduction for people to craft beer. I think with, right. through education and knowledge and, and the Internet, you know, a lot of people start maybe with some extract kits at home or something like that. But mm-hmm. Mr. Beer, they've done, a, they've done a lot for at least introducing Absolutely. it there. Right, so well, been, because they got those kits out in Bed Bath & Beyond and right. places like that. Mm-hmm. and. It really just opened it up to, uh, you know, the average person to start making beer. Yeah, my, my wife bought me a Mr. Beer about three or four years ago, and that's where I brewed my first batch on, too. So, so yeah. So, um, now, you've brewed every BJP, BJP, CP. No, you've brewed every BJCP style. Say that five times fast. Now, was there a certain style that surprised you? Uh, maybe it's something that you didn't think right. you would like, but you really turned out that you enjoyed? Well, and uh, so... I, I started, I wanted to be a great brewer. I wanted to learn everything about beer. I, I, and I figured one of the ways to really learn about every, uh, more about beer was to try and brew every style from the style guy. And so I set out with a goal to brew get an award-winning example, a first-place medal in good-sized competition on every BJCP style, which I did. And that book uh, became the book uh, Brewing Classic Styles. And... Um, 
it taught me a lot about really how to make beers, how to, you know, recipes that you might do. So to this day, I, I, I'm very quick and easy to, to make, you know, changes to recipes and make, make new recipes. And when I was doing this, um, the one of the things that was not available was uh, uh, a, a lot of information on Schwartz beer. So I, I came up to brewing Schwartz beer in my, my quest to brew all these styles, and I couldn't find the examples I found clearly wouldn't make a good Schwartz beer. And there, re- there wasn't like a, uh, a brewing style book on Schwartz beer. So I just took it on myself, and that turned out to be a great, great recipe and, and won lots of medals. And, and I learned later on that that's what the judges were looking for, and that's what I was brewing to, to really, at that point, to satisfy the judges. And then, but it wasn't truly a classic German Schwarz beer. It was an Americanized version that American judges were looking for. So... Later on, I branched it out into, well, this is, you know, classic German. This is the American version. I had very various, this is a different region of Germany, Schwarzbier. And so uh, that was fascinating to me that you could brew something that truly wasn't a style, but it was what the judges were looking for. With brewing through all those styles, I know that was a long process. And that what made you decide to take on that project and how long did it take you to, to go through it there? Uh, it probably took me um, several years. Well, you know, just to brew every style wouldn't have been that big a deal. Um, there's, you know, there's quite a few styles, but it really isn't isn't that bad. What ended up being uh, an issue was trying to get an award-winning, you know, a first place in every style. And so I didn't want to just, you know, brew every style. Didn't want to just get a medal in some tiny little competition you know bronze i wanted a you know competition was larger and had you know uh lots of entries in the styles i was competing in and i wanted to get a first place so i really wanted to have it dialed in and that took you know from i probably started this around you know late 2000 2001 and i finished probably around 2005 so maybe about four years so to tie in that we'll, we'll touch on both of this but you've written the book on brewing classic styles and you did a show for a long time but uh, you've written a couple of books brewing classic styles uh, I believe it's uh, 80 recipes tied into that book uh, also recently uh, released yeast practical guide to yeast so is that uh, well that's something to learn it to put it down and share that is that uh, do, do you have a passion for sharing knowledge in that? Because it uh, I, you do a lot of that. I do, so, yeah. as a matter of fact. So uh, <clears throat> I actually have a degree in writing. And so one of the reasons I like writing is because it communicates things. And you can you can think about it. You can reword it. You can rework it until what you've written really does. You know, when we do radio, it's kind of like off the cuff. It's what you think of. And sometimes you'd say, well, I, I should have phrased that a little bit better. When you're writing, you get a chance to rethink it, rewrite it, until it just really communicates what you want. And I like, uh, I, I spent uh, some years as a technical writer, and then I also uh, taught scuba diving for, a, for a, quite a few number of years, and I really enjoyed that. It was that 
that look on someone's face when they they learn something when they you know that that first experience of scuba diving you'd see just you know this light go on and they were just so excited and i just love that you know you could you could show somebody how to do something and then you know they've their lives have changed and they've they've gained something and they've they've changed the person in a way and maybe it seems silly to some people but i i just think that is one of the greatest things you can do is share you know your passion your knowledge and you know help somebody either develop a passion for something or you know uh experience what it is to you know all of a sudden to become good at something and when you can do that i mean that's i mean as human beings that's one of the things that uh you know you know i guess some animals teach other animals how to do things you know how to forage for food or something special but you know we as humans we can teach so many things to each other and we can learn from each other and enrich our lives through that so for me that's just really cool so I, I love doing it that's become something with with me and home brewing and and just craft beer in general another thing with the internet there's so much information available at your hands mm-hmm. these days and through our homebrew club and, and teaching each other i've i thought you know i know guys who have been brewing uh, 25 years and they've brewed a lot and skill level wise, they're kind of in parallel with some guys that have maybe been five or six years that got into it in depth. And I think a lot of that comes from the availability of knowledge and the ability to share that and right. to, to hone those skills. So it's it's great if you want to learn something these days. You know, like I said, as humans, right. the right. resources we have out there not only to to share what we know, but to take mm-hmm. in what other people know is just right. it's there for you these days. Well, so it's, that, great. it's a great thing about the internet. It allows you to share passion. You know, with others, and I think that's it's revolutionizing the world. It's changing the way you know when you see like uh, you know the uh, Arab Spring thing, where you know a lot of those governments fell, and you know the world changed. That's because of the internet. That's because right. of the sharing of information. You know, when you share the information with people, they understand you better. You know, it opens up their their opportunities and. I don't want to get uh, you know all romantic here. We should be talking yeah, about beer, right. but that's right. So I mean, that's just, touch that's just you know it's related to right, beer, though. Right. You know, just yeah. go through well, that. and it's one of the great things about the beer community and and, and people is uh, you know we we feel the need to share our information, not just you know brew and I'm going to hide it. You brew because you want to enjoy it and you want to share that with other people. You want to, when you anytime you brew beer, don't you guys think? Oh, I can't wait for somebody else to taste this. Oh, yeah. This turned out great. What's your next thought? Oh, I want someone else to taste it. Not like I want to drink it all myself. It's like, oh, I I can't wait to to share this with, you know, this friend and that friend and, you know, make new friends. And and that that was just how good it is, though. If it's really good, then maybe maybe not as much. Well, you know, you shared a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm only giving you an ounce. There's a graphic on the internet that shows like the the sliding scale of how likely you are to share your beer. How bad it it's was. Like it's like if it's this good, you're way up here on share it, but if it's a really, really good beer, it starts to drop starts off. To a little little bit. Bit. Yeah. So. How bad it is. Yeah, yeah the mediocre. So right there. The Midland right. beers there. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Project BGR. Time to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more from Jamil Zenishev. He's the founder of Heretic Brewing Company and a very famous home brewer. We'll be back right after this. Hey, this is Aaron. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We've got some really awesome things that are coming soon that will help us engage with you some more. We're not going to lie to you, though. It takes time, effort, and money to produce this show every week. So if you'd like to be part of the Beer Guys family, we would love your help. Head to patreon.com slash beerguys to become a sponsor. 
We're not going to beg. Okay, maybe just a little bit. But hey, we've got some great swag for those who become a sponsor, and you'll be among the first to know about the great things that are coming to the Beer Guys universe. Again, that's patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash beer guys. Or you can go to beerguysradio.com and click the sponsor link. We thank you for your support and cheers. Welcome back to Project BGR. Let's listen to the rest of our interview with Jamil Zanishev, founder of Heretic Brewing Company. Your yeast book, that is, you know, brewing classic styles, that's something that any brewer can jump into and learn. Yeast, uh, that's an advanced topic. I've read it, and I don't think I'm quite there yet. Mm. For the, or I've, I've started to read it, but that's There's a, that's there's a lot in that book. It's a hefty so, book. Because there's a series that you and some other writers did. Mm-hmm. There's yeast, hops, water, uh-huh. and that, that really covers all aspects right. of brewing. Uh, and malt. There, and malt, right. right? So that that had to be something. But that's something if you really want to get down into the depths of it. Because brewing can be simple. You know, you can right. make a simple beer in that. Uh-huh. But if you have someone that wants to take on that level of technical knowledge, your right. book is is something they a guide they could refer to, right? I, I've run into very few people that are homebrewing just to make beer to drink, or you know, just to do it cheaply or anything like that. Just about every homebrewer I run across, they want to make the best beer possible. They want to make the greatest beer in the world, and they can. That's the amazing thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times. They'll think to themselves, well, you know, I don't have all this fancy equipment, you know, all the commercial brewers, they can do it. That's not true. Commercial brewers have nothing. There's no magic bit of knowledge or no magic piece of equipment that is not available to homebrewers as well. As a homebrewer, you can make the greatest beer in the world. You can make God's gift to to beer. The best beer in the world is within your grasp as a homebrewer. There's nothing stopping you. It is all up to your own passion, your own willingness to, you know, to put the work in, to learn, and to, you know, to, to make it happen. So homebrewers shouldn't think, oh, you know, I, I, I really love this beer from XYZ Brewery, and I, I just have to buy it because I can't make it. It's like, no, you could make that. You could make it even better. You know, you have that opportunity. And I think, you know, that's what I want people to do. I want them to seize on that opportunity to make the best beer in the world. And they can not, do it. I mean, speaking of that, I've had homebrews that are, you know, world-class, right. as good yes. as or better than yes. some of the best commercial examples. Yes. A shout-out to our friend John Sherry with Little Cottage oh, yes, Brewing, a, a homebrewer back in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. He's making world-class beers, yep. you know, and yep. he's doing it on a keggel system, yep. uh, you know, at his house. And you don't so, need fancy equipment. Yeah. I, I was in Singapore for uh, their... Uh, uh, I I brew challenge, um, and uh, maybe I got the name wrong on that. But I, I was I was there, and um, we got to judge uh, part of the competition. And out of the twenty some odd beers that we had, I would say that you know quite a few of them were world class, world class. Home brewing in Singapore has only been legal for a few years, right. yeah. and world class beers coming out of there. And then you know there's a bunch that were you know very good. And only a couple that were like, well, those are just, right. you know, they're all right. You know, nothing great. But, I mean, world-class beers coming out of that. That's, that's, my, that's you know. My good friend and homebrew partner is in Malaysia right now in Kuala Lumpur. And he just happened to fall there where they're having a Malaysian beer festival. Mm-hmm. And he went there and he tried a Saison from Vietnam. That right. he's like, this is a fantastic <laughs> right, Saison. Right. He said, you know, they had a lot of beers from Australia, mm-hmm. Vietnam, from there in Malaysia. You know, that yep. craft beers... Yep. 
coming up everywhere now. You know, well, and, so. you know, these are areas where it's harder to get ingredients. I don't want to hear anybody in the United States complaining about getting, you know, right. good ingredients. You got access to everything. And again, here's people in Malaysia, Vietnam, right. Singapore, with with a more difficult time of getting some of these ingredients, and they're brewing fantastic beers. Sure. And there's another book that's just come out recently. I think it's called Brewing Local. Mm-hmm. You kind of use what's available to you there, right, and you right. can make something uh-huh. great. You know, you uh, you don't have to find the most right. rare thing from the other side of the earth. Yeah. You use what you have and use it to the best it's, of the ability you can. Technique and skill and knowledge, and you know that's what makes beer. Um, you know, it's 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 the person. It's not the equipment. It's right. not. You know, I always I always tell my people that uh, uh, work for me that. You know, if, if somebody was to come and buy the brewery, um, you, you can't you can't buy really what the brewery is. And it's sometimes, you know, these these brewery sales that are going through, they're they're talking about, uh, oh well, you know, now now they, I mean, what are they what are they trying to buy? You can buy the equipment, right. you could buy the recipes, you could buy the, the the inventory on hand, the the grains, all this. You could buy the building. You buy the trademarks, you can buy, you know, whatever distribution there is. But the one thing you can't buy is the people. Yeah. And that's what makes the beer great. Right. I mean, one of the one of the things that I'm sure you've noticed is you may have a, a brewery, a brew pub in your area, and then the brewer, one brewer leaves and they bring in another brewery. No, brewer. All the equipment's the same. Right. They have access to everything the same, and the beer changes. The beer's oh, yeah, going to change, guaranteed. It, yeah. could, it could get better. It could sure. get worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost never does it stay the same. Right. Why is that? Yeah. It's the person. Mm-hmm. People are the thing that you, you can't buy people, thank God, anymore. Sure. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sure. And, and, uh, but that's really what uh, you know, makes the beer great. And so when you get big enough, I mean, we're, our brew team now is you know, eight, nine people. And um, you know, we can bring new people in and they, you know, they, they, there's a culture there. And our beers are made a certain way, and you know the the, the way our beers taste are a function of the people that we have working together. It's not the equipment, it's not you know anything else. It's the people. And if you got rid of those people and brought in all new people, our beer would not be the same. And so you can't buy that. That's the, these people that are acquiring breweries don't understand that sure. once you do that, if and then you get rid of the people, you've gotten rid of what made you buy the brewery in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. So, so Jamil, now speaking of which, uh, you know, you've recently turned from home brewer to the professional ranks. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that experience been like for you so far? Uh, it's extremely challenging. Sure. It's exhausting. It's been great, um, mainly because I get to work with just wonderful people. I literally love the people that, that work with us. I mean, we have just some of the smartest, pa- most passionate uh, you know, funny and fun people to work with, and that's just great. I mean, I I would just do that, make minimum wage, and just do that. I, I'm cool with that. Nice. Good people, and, good uh, beer, right? So. Yeah, yeah, and we're we're all very passionate about it. And um, uh, but you know, the challenges are the challenges of running a business. I know how to make beer. It's the business aspect that's very difficult. So there's you know payroll, numbers, payroll taxes, you know cash stuff, flow right? yeah. all that stuff that's very challenging sure so i think you know i get a lot of people that ask me and they say hey i i am an award-winning home brewer i win like every best of show around 
uh, I'm, I'm going to open a brewery. What brewing classes do you think I should take? Like none. Take business classes. Get your CPA first. <laughs> exactly. Learn how to run a business because that's what's going to send you under. There, there have been a, a history of uh, people who made great beer and the breweries failed. Why did the breweries fail? Uh, they overcapitalized. There's just a lot of things about, about business that sent them under. It wasn't the beer. It was the business end of it. The process. Right. And there's a lot of crappy breweries out there, <laughs> I know you guys know, that are not making good beer that are run real well and, and do just fine. And they'll, they'll last forever, even though their their beer isn't anything to write home about. Well, I know brewers that they don't like doing the business side. I mean, they, the reason they got into it is they wanted to right. make beer. And exactly. that's, I talked to, to people who have been with breweries that have grown in that and to the point where they're like, you know what, I got I want to make beer. You know, I don't want to sit down and do spreadsheets and look at this mm-hmm. and, and all that. So it's uh, it's something that you really have to have. We, we have a couple of breweries, you know, back in Georgia where they've, they put a team together. They launched it right where they have a team where mm-hmm. you have the business, you have the brewing, you have the marketing, right, you right. know, kind of that to yeah. all go together. And it's, uh, you know, they can do great things. Well, and, I, and I can see that and I can appreciate it. I think that's a great way to go. The only thing that would make me hesitate on that is I want to own the business. I don't want yeah, anyone right. else to yeah, own the business. That. Right. So um, I, I don't want uh, partners that uh, can do anything, you know, it's me. So I, do I, that, I, you got to do all of it then, right? Yeah, so, I'm, yeah, I'm responsible for everything from, you know, how the floors are swept to, you know, uh-huh. uh, where the money comes from. Yeah. Excellent. Now, you uh, were here at GABF, mm-hmm. and uh, you won a medal today. Yes, right? yes, we got lucky today, and uh, we got a silver medal with our robust porter, Shallow Grave. Awesome, that's great. Now, what are some of your other uh, popular beers with uh, Heretic? We've talked a lot about home brewing, but yeah. you know your brewery. We've just touched on that. So, what's uh, what are other favorites there? Our, our three main cellar beers are Evil Twin, which is a red IPA, Evil Cousin, which is a double IPA, and then Chocolate Hazelnut Porter, which is a porter with chocolate and hazelnut. Go I bigger. see where you got the name from. Right, That's right, right. Yeah, uh, but we make a. a a wide array of beers if you go to our tap room we have 16 beers on at, at any one time and uh, we do everything from sours uh, to uh, other barrel aids to lagers um, at our booth here we've got a uh, doppelbach uh, we've got uh, a raspberry sour that was uh, uh, done in uh, wine barrels for two years i mean we you know we do spontaneous fermented beers okay. we do um we do everything so, you know, and it's in part, it's because of what I did as a homebrewer, learning to brew all these different styles and being able to do them. It affords us a really great opportunity to say, all right, what, what don't we have, you know, what isn't representative or, you know, what strange things can we try now? We did a, a beer with a local winery uh, in our valley. We, we're in a kind of an ideal valley, I think, for spontaneously fermented beers. And one of the reasons is these breezes come up off the bay and go up through the and stack up on the valley behind us. And we get some freezing nights, which knocks down the bacteria, and then right. you get more yeast. And so um, after some freezing nights, we'll put out wort and do spontaneous ferments. But uh, this, this winery, uh, Green Valley, they actually grow grapes there in the valley, and they use natural fermentation. They just take the grapes, crush them, and let the natural yeast that's on them ferment. And they make these tremendous wines. And uh, they're not funky or anything like this. So after they're done, you know, with the, the ferment, they'll press the, 
the grapes and get the down to the skins. And then usually it goes on a compost pile. Well, they give us those grapes. We put them in a fermenter and then we pump in a, a wort. And then we let it ferment with their funky yeast, okay. you know, the natural yeast there. And it makes this real interesting blend of beer and wine uh, with this natural yeast. And uh, it's really cool. So, I mean, we, we do stuff like that. We're, we're always doing something very bizarre and trying to figure out something new. We just talked to uh, someone earlier about kind of terroir and beer. You know, uh-huh. you don't see it as much there, but, yeah. you know, you can taste certain spontaneous, spontaneously fermented beers. And you can tell that that's, okay, this from this brewery or this one because right. of the nat- the flavor kind of right. in that right. area. So it's something I'd like to see more of it in brewing. I would, too. I, I mean, you know, so. example for us is Jester King. Like, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. Jester King beer as soon as you hit as soon as you Texas hit your Hill nose, Country exactly there, Exactly right? what so, it smells yeah. like. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. So. so cool. Well, Jamil, anything else we might have missed? Uh, anything else coming up for you guys? Uh, uh, we're actually adding a distillery. Oh, cool. okay. Yeah, as if I don't have enough work to say, do already. It just seems it seems like a lot of fun, you know. It's just mm-hmm. one of those things that I've always wanted to get into, and so uh, we already have the ability to make the the beer, which is what they call the wash that goes to the you know distilling side. So uh, cool. yeah, just gonna have a lot of fun with that. All right, thanks for listening to Project BGR. And, of course, special thanks go out to Jamil Zenashev from Heretic Brewing Company for allowing Tim to nerd out just a little bit or maybe a lot. Yeah, a lot. I'll go with that A one. lot, okay. for sure not. So remember, Project BGR is available on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and please leave us a rating. It really helps us. And, of course, tune into Beer Guys Radio every Saturday for all the news you need to know about the craft beer movement in the Southeast. We podcast that, too. And we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just give us a search at Beer Guys Radio. Cheers, and we'll talk to you next time.